This is exactly right. I don't know. It was meant to happen. You know what I'm saying? We weren't meant to have that success at that time. Because I think that, I think we wouldn't have been able to handle it. That is Tim Bird. He wrote and produced music with Sudden Impact, the lost boy band I'm trying to find. He was so integral to their sound, some people call him the sixth member of Sudden Impact. I've gotten his contact info from Aaron Kane, the lead singer of the group, and I'm getting the Sudden Impact story from his perspective. And right away, I get a brand new piece of information. They started a group called Too Special first, before they became Sudden Impact. Too Special? Yes, 100%. T-O-O, number two? T-O-O, yeah. Okay, Too Special. This is a group who's had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of record labels, and a lot of getting dropped from record labels. And as you're about to find out, they've also had a lot of names. In this episode, we'll hear more of the sudden impact story from producer Tim Bird and lead singer Aaron Kane. This is Waiting for Impact, a Dave Holmes passion project. When we left off in the last episode, I was trying to get Noel Kane's contact info from his brother Aaron. Finally did get it, I have reached out, and as of yet, I have not heard anything back. But in the meantime, there's another name to add to the list of names that this group has had. Too Special became Sudden Impact, which became White Guys. And not to spoil anything, but that list of names is going to get longer. More on that later. But for now, tell me how you came to work with Sudden Impact. Yeah, um, we all went to high school together. It was, I was in a group at the time. We were performing original songs. And one of the members of Sudden Impact, well, they became Sudden Impact. Todd White, he wanted to start a group like New Kids on the Block. It's 1989 as this story begins. Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel is the number one album of the year. Mariah Carey is recording her debut album. The Rolling Stones are out on their Steel Wheels comeback tour. Will Smith beats J.J. Fad and Cool Moe D to win the first ever Best Rap Performance Grammy for Parents Just Don't Understand. And he meets with Quincy Jones to develop NBC's The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Tim Bird joins Too Special as the group's unofficial producer. And here in the present, he confirms the wildest part of the story. So they're out in L.A. and they're calling us, hey, we just ran into Heavy D. Hey, we just ran into Stevie Wonder. We thought they were lying. And then they had their poster, the two special poster, right? Yeah. And they run into Biv. There's like Michael Bivens. They say, um, oh, Biv, can you sign our poster? And Biv told them, get that out of my face. Well, with some, like, you know, curse words behind it. Get that out of my face. I'm not signing that bleep. And um, he thought it was. Oh, you can swear if you like. Okay. He thought it was a, a poster of New Kids on the Block. Because remember, there was a rivalry between New Edition and New Kids on the Block. Right. Yeah, back in his day. Right. So Ty told him, said, look, no, we're a new group. Um, we're stuck out here in L.A. We have no way to get back home. But would you please sign this poster? So he signed it. He said, oh, a new group, huh? All right. I'm here some money for a ticket, plane ticket. I'm going to send you all back to Virginia and wait for a call from me in a couple of weeks. So, OK, Aaron told me that I didn't 100 percent believe it. This is actually how it happened. He just saw the picture. Mm-hmm. He just saw the picture. Do you do you think that that rivalry between New Edition and New Kids on the Block had anything to do 
with why he wanted to sign them. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Nobody else believes it, but I think so. Okay. I think, I think it was like get back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and plus it's a lot of money because new kids on the block, they, they made a billion dollars off of merchandise alone. Right. Right. So I think it was that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens next? At what happens next? He calls us in a couple of weeks. We didn't believe him even when they came back from LA. Ah, yeah, whatever, whatever. We're just working on songs and just playing around. And Michael Bivens calls the house. And we're talking. He said, guys, I'm going to sign you guys. I'm going to send the contracts. They'll be out there um, by FedEx. They, uh, We all got the contracts. Um, signed them as artists. Signed me as a producer. And um, changed their name to Sudden Impact. Right. Now, wh- why did he change that name? He liked the movie, um, Clint Eastwood movie. Okay. Sudden Impact was a big movie. It's the one that gave the culture, go ahead, make my day. I was hoping for a better story there, but I will take that one. So, Sudden Impact all signed their contracts. Tim Bird signs his and goes from being the unofficial producer to the official producer. And they all plan to get busy recording. But before they do, they get their big break. And um, the rest is, uh, no, then they came back and ended up in the Motown Philly video. Right. That was during that same time they ended up in the Motown Philly video. So by the time they were in the Motown Philly video, had had you recorded anything officially from Michael Bivens yet? We had just started, but actually he hadn't heard it yet. That's right. That's right. They didn't have a, they didn't have a finished demo that we could send to him because everything was moving so fast. So they're in the video, but uh, but they don't have a song yet. No, not yet. Sudden Impact has gotten a major leg up. The video is on rotation on all the big music video networks. People around the country are seeing it over and over, and they're waiting to hear music from Sudden Impact. The pressure is on. So how did that feel for all of you, getting getting that kind of boost? How 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 did that feel? Oh, I felt, I felt great. Yeah? Yeah, I felt like this is my chance to be Michael Jackson. But, um, <laughs> you know, be famous and all that, but... What happens, I ended up leaving my group to focus solely on Sudden Impact. What was your band called? So Suave. So Suave is an awesome name. But this is the point in the story when the group that had been called Too Special and later was called Sudden Impact is about to be called something new. After the Motown Philly video came out, that's when Biff started marketing and finding other art artists to come into the fold, the um, East Coast family. Right then and there... When he formed the East Coast family, he changed Sudden Impact to the white guys. Now, why? Because whenever he would do interviews or boys and men would do interviews, instead of asking questions about Michael Bivens, BBD, or um, boys to men, they would say, hey, whatever happened to them white guys? There was the video. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Biv changed the name. Changed the name to white guys. Uh, it was spelled like wit gizzies, though. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them in the video for One for All for One. Yes, 100%. where they are. It's W H Y T G I Z E. Yeah. How did you and how did the guys feel about changing your name for another time? Didn't care. We were with Michael Bivens. So let's talk about Michael Bivens. I would love to talk to Michael Bivens, but so far he hasn't gotten back to me. I've asked Yvette Nicole Brown to put in a good word for me because they're still close friends, and she has, but so far, nothing. I've been thinking about it a lot, and I wonder whether he's worried that he is going to be the villain of the story. And I wonder whether that worries Yvette now that she's involved with the show. 
And if that's the case, I would understand his concern and hers. Wouldn't you? I mean, what if somebody came up to you right now and said, I just heard an amazing story about you? How would you feel? You'd be a little concerned for a minute, wouldn't you? Then what if that person told you, I'm making a 10-episode podcast series about that story. I'm talking to all kinds of people who know you in conversations that you won't be able to hear until the show comes out. I get it. That has got to be a scary thing to hear. If it were happening to me, I probably wouldn't want to be involved either. But a couple things. One, I am not interested in assassinating anyone's character or making a chump out of anyone or ruining anyone's reputation unless they're Kid Rock, because I hate that guy. Interesting stories usually don't have clear-cut villains, and I'm not interested in telling a boring story or an easy one. This is a complicated story where everyone so far is just doing their best. And two, no matter how the Biv 10 project turned out, it started in the first place because of a trait of Bivens that I admire, one that I think is worth celebrating, ambition. The Biv 10 project wasn't what he hoped it would be, but that doesn't mean it was a bad thing. It wasn't the success that he envisioned, but that doesn't make it a failure. And most importantly, though he couldn't deliver to his artists the fame and fortune that he may have implicitly or explicitly promised them, he didn't leave them with nothing. Life doesn't work in binaries like that. The people I've spoken to so far are mostly not rich and mostly not famous, but they are all better off for having known and worked with Michael Bivens. And they know it. Even if their relationship is strained, they all still respect and admire the guy. Tim Bird puts it well. What do you think Michael Bivens thinks of the whole Biv 10 experience? I don't know. Good question. I can only speculate, though, but I don't know. I think I think he thought it was a success. And then, he, yeah, think about it. He was the first Puffy. What Puffy ended up doing, Biv did it first. Yeah. So and I don't know what I don't know if there was things behind the scenes that went on that we weren't privy to. But I'm pretty sure he should be he should be uh, pat himself on the back. to the saga of Sudden Impact, who I guess we should now start calling White Guys. What was the sound of White Guys? Sound of White Guys was, um, I would say, um, it was pop. It wasn't as poppy as um, NSYNC or this, that, and the other. A little more soul to it. Okay. You know, a little more soul. It was more like a, uh, a soulful group, like close to like what Boys the Men was doing. Gotcha. Yeah, that's exactly what they had. We evolved over the years, though. And they have the time to evolve. To catch us up, Michael Bivens signed a group called Too Special to his three-artist production deal at Motown, then changed their name to Sudden Impact because he liked the Clint Eastwood movie, then signed Sudden Impact to Capitol Records, then put Sudden Impact in Boys to Men's debut video, then pulled them off Capitol Records to sign them to his own label, Biv 10 Records, a division of Motown, then changed their name again to White Guys. There's a lot of activity going on around this project. And once again... Michael Bivens still has not heard a single song. What then happens with White Guys? Do you end up in the studio at all? Well, we, we started, we had built our own studio at Todd's house. So we were always recording at home. So every day we would have songs. And um, at that time, there was something going on between, I think, Boys to Men and Michael Bivens. I'm not sure. Let's dig into that a little bit. Boys to Men's debut album, Cooley High Harmony, was executive produced by Michael Bivens, and it was a big success. It sold 9 million copies. It had hits like Motown Philly, and It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday, which would play at high school graduation parties for years to come. 
Boys to Men were on their way. In 1992, they went into the studio with Babyface, one of the most successful R&B songwriters and producers of all time. They recorded a song for the soundtrack of the Eddie Murphy, Halle Berry romantic comedy Boomerang. That song was called End of the Road. It was a smash. It went to number one and stayed there for 13 weeks, tying the record set by Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Boys to Men really leveled up with End of the Road. Their second album had the single I'll Make Love to You, which broke Whitney Houston and Boys to Men's own record by staying at number one for 14 weeks. That album sold 20 million copies. And I don't know why this is, and it's not really pertinent to the sudden impact story, and maybe it's part of what he doesn't want to talk about anymore, but Michael Bivens isn't listed in the credits for that second Boys to Men album anywhere. Because this this round about the time when their second album, Boys and Men's second album came out and sold like 20-something million copies. And so things started slowing up. I really don't understand. I can't really speak on why things started slowing up. And we noticed that. But we still kept working. We would call Michael and I'm asking, when's the next time you're going to call? Send us out to L.A. or put us in the studio. And sometimes we would get a call and sometimes not. He would say that I'm working on something for y'all right now. Then we finally got in touch with him. He said, look, I'm going to let y'all go from your contracts, blah, blah, blah. So we're, we're getting more seasoned with writing songs and producing songs. So every day we will build our studio. Listen to what he does there. Tim Bird is talking about being let go from Biv 10 Records, a massive disappointment, and he just glides right past it. A three-year journey of high hopes, major labels, big expectations of pop stardom gets dashed in a single phone call, and Tim doesn't dwell on it for a second. In his memory, the guys just get right back to work. That is called resilience. And that resilience is going to serve them well in this next chapter. And so I think it was like a year or two later, or this was in 95, when everything just went crazy. So it's 1995. Hootie and the Blowfish's Cracked Rear View is the number one album of the year. Mariah Carey sells 20 million copies of her album Daydream. The Rolling Stones are on their Voodoo Lounge comeback tour. Coolio wins Best Rap Performance for Gangsta's Paradise, while Will Smith finishes the entire run of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and moves on to Independence Day. I'm going to bring Aaron Kane back into the mix now and let the two of them tell you what happened next. And as a heads up, he's going to name some new Jack Swing artists from the 90s who, if you don't know them, you will want to look them up. So now here we are in Newport News sitting there and don't have no deal. Don't have no deal. We're, I mean, we're constantly working on demos and stuff. So we know that Teddy Riley is in Virginia Beach. Teddy Riley had the Future Studios in Virginia Beach where Michael Jackson recorded the Dangerous album. Guy is popping. Guy is doing their stuff there. Blackstreet's down there. Blackstreet is doing crazy stuff. Guy and Blackstreet. If you are hearing those names for the first time right now, look them up. Listen to Let's Chill or Before I Let You Go or Groove Me. You can thank me later. Teddy Riley is a member of both of those groups, and he's their producer, and he is really having a moment. 
As you heard, Michael Jackson is working with him. That is the ultimate seal of approval at the time. White guys are looking for a label, for a manager, for anything. So they do what's worked before. They put themselves in front of a very important person and they ask. I think maybe Tim and Todd went up there. They they contacted somebody going into the Future Studios. And it ends up being a guy named Leon Silvers III. I don't know if you remember a group from the Silvers back in yeah. the 70s. Yeah. S-Y-L, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, is it, are they Hotline? Yes. Hotline, Hotline. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, Leon is like... Leon Silvers. Leon Silvers III. He's a... He is a great producer, great songwriter. He actually did uh, Janet Jackson's first album. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, he was at Future Studios working with Teddy Riley on some stuff. He actually did uh, Before I Let You Go by Blackstreet. Before I let you go away, can I get a kiss he did he did that I, lo- I love these musical interludes that's one of my favorite songs of all time I love that song uh, Dave Hollister sang that but um, anyway so I think the story is is that Tim walked in to Future Studios one time and ran into Leon and had a conversation with him, maybe gave him a demo tape or whatever. He heard some of our stuff and he was like, guys, why don't you guys come by my house and start recording with me? Now, at the time, I'm 21, 22. I don't know who the hell Leon Silvers is. You know? I I don't know who he is. He's just some old guy with dreads to me and I say old he was probably in his 40s at the time and like any good old guy in his 40s Leon Silvers III ran a tight ship we go to his house every day we would get up he was an early bird and we would get up at like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning be at his house in the morning at 8 o'clock in the morning and record at his house on reel to reel he had reel to reel that's what we were recording on That's standard old guy behavior. The guys write four more songs and record demos for them. And because they're not on a label anymore, not getting a stipend or weekend trips to Disney World, they're having to figure out how to feed themselves. How are you earning money during all of this? Um, I got a regular job. Yeah. Aaron and them, um, Aaron and them, they got jobs. Everybody got jobs. And then whenever we would finish work, we would always go to the studio. So it was like work, 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 work. We would stay in the studio until even if I had to be at work at nine o'clock in the morning or stay in the studio till six o'clock in the morning and still at least get an hour sleep to go to work. What was work? At that time, it was, um, what was that time? I think it was Sprint. Tim is working at a Sprint store. And meanwhile, Boys to Men are blowing up. As I told you, End of the Road goes to number one and stays there for 13 weeks. I'll Make Love to You, from their second album, stays at number one for 14 weeks until it gets replaced by On Bended Knee, another Boys to Men song. Boys to Men are dominating. And Tommy Mottola, the CEO of Columbia Records and husband of Mariah Carey, makes Boys to Men the same kind of deal Motown once gave to Michael Bivens. Tommy Mottola said, 
listen, guys, if you guys do a song with Mariah, I'll give you your own label deal, right? So they did the song, you know, went to the moon. The song Boys to Men do with Mariah Carey is called One Sweet Day. It goes to number one and stays there for 16 weeks. One sweet day. They have now broken their own record for longest running number one single twice. And this third record stands until Old Town Road breaks it nearly 25 years later. So they got their own label deal off of that song called Stone Creek Records. Sudden Impact, who I should be calling white guys right now, and I keep trying, but I guess my body doesn't want to, have a pre-existing relationship with boys to men, having been in their debut video. So once again, they go on a road trip to try to get some attention. But this time, they have songs. I think it was Aaron, Noel, and Todd went to Richmond, Virginia to see Boys to Men and Jodeci perform, do their concert. And um, they ran into Mike McCary, the one who left Boys to Men, the one with the back problems, the bass voice. Mm-hmm. They ran into him at the arena. And we had the demos at that time. We had all of our songs on tape, and they were really good. Because we were halfway working with Teddy Riley, too, a little bit, indirectly. Yeah, indirectly. And so Mike McCary heard the songs. He's like, we're about to start our own label called Stone Creek. Won't you guys come sign with us? And that's how we got with Stone Creek. So now here we are in another label situation. And Stone Creek is a part of Sony Records. So now Boys and Men moves us up to Philly. That's how that's how I'm in the spot where I'm at now in Jersey. In 97, they move us up to Philadelphia, put us up in this amazing apartment complex in Germantown, Philadelphia. Big apartment. It was like the apartment was sort of like, um, you remember the TV show Different Strokes? Yeah. Yeah, the house, but without the stairs. But that's how big it was. So, yeah, we all, all six of us stayed there for two years. And we banged out songs because... Um, Boys and Men ended up buying uh, Will Smith's old studio in Gladwin, Pennsylvania. So they signed us, and they signed another artist. His name is Uncle Sam. I don't know if you know who Uncle Sam is. Refresh my memory. That sounds sort of familiar. I don't ever want to see you again. Yes! Uncle Sam's I Don't Ever Want to See You Again went to number six on the Billboard charts, and I love it when Aaron Kane sings to me. So, the guys are on their third label. They're finally getting to work on an album in a world where R&B vocal groups are selling crazy amounts of CDs. They start to work even harder. And this is the mid-90s by now, so I have to ask, is there choreography? It's funny that you say that, because that was a problem for us. Really? Yeah. Everybody wanted us to be dancers and be dancers like New Kids on the Block and New Edition. And we just weren't into the dancing, man. We just, like, that wasn't something that we were passionate about, you know? Like, we we didn't want to dance. We just wanted to record songs, sing songs, and come out and sing to the ladies, like, that's what, that's what we wanted to do. Some dancing was expected. It was. It was at that time. And everybody was like, come on, guys, you guys got to dance. 
With Stone Creek Records, the guys get a new start, a new attitude, and a new name. Another name change. Yes. This is crazy. Wanye from Boys to Men, he liked the way they looked. And plus, he was a fan of the movie The Outsiders. And he said, you know what? We should call you guys The Outsiders. He said, I just got finished watching the movie the other day. He said, plus, some of y'all look like one of the characters in um, The Outsiders. So we're going to give each one of y'all the same nickname. Pony Boy, all this, this, that, the other. Yeah, that was a great idea. So... Too Special became Sudden Impact, which became White Guys, which became The Outsiders. It's hard enough to get any kind of momentum going in the music industry without your name changing every five minutes. But the guys keep pushing forward. So anyway, uh, so we're recording at Sony, and Boys and Men ends up putting out Uncle Sam first. So here we get bumped again, and... Dave, our songs that we were recording there, we had actually some songs with Boys and Men singing some backgrounds with us. And I mean, the songs that we were doing there were just beautiful, beautiful songs. And they choose to put out I Don't Never Want to See You Again, Uncle Sam put his album out. They put Uncle Sam's album out. And guess what happens after that? Oh, you actually want me to guess? Yeah. Did they drop you? The label goes under. Oh, God. Tommy Batola ends up dropping Stone Creek after the Uncle Sam album comes out. So here we are again. Now we've just been through all of this. And here we are again with no record deal again. So how can that be? He's the uh, boys to men. And Mariah Carey have the longest running number one of all time up to that time, right? Right. Huge yeah. song. They've got they've done end of the road. They've done I mean they're they're huge. They get offered a label deal. They signed two people. Was it just Tommy Mottola saying like I gave you what I said I was going to give you and now I don't want to pay attention to this anymore or what happened? I think I think it was something internal that that we really don't know about. I think it, I think it's something internal between Boys and Men and Tommy Mottola. That's what I think. I couldn't believe the phone call when we got the phone call that the label is folding, and now you guys got to go back to Virginia again. I mean, we were just devastated. Stone Creek, the whole label, just straight up folds. The guys are back to square one yet again. But at least this time, they've made some proper recordings. What happened to the music that was recorded for Stone Creek? Uh, we still got it. Yeah. Yeah, we still got it. It's kind of dated, though, but yeah, we still got it. I remember because, remember, you got to understand, this is one thing a lot of people don't remember. Sudden Impact was supposed to be the next new kids on the block. So with all these deals we were going through, in between, that left it open for Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, you know, to come through. So we weren't trying to be like them. We were trying to be a little more edgy. I'll say like a comparison between Jodeci and Boyz II Men. You know what I mean? A little, little more edgy. So at least they still have their music from back then. Kind of. The songs are on formats that I really can't transfer because I don't have the machines for them anymore. Which really sucks, yeah. So they're just sitting there on a hard drive. Yeah. Not even a hard drive, on tape. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. 
them studio tapes, you know, like even um, whenever people were doing radio, those little small little tapes that you put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. ADATs or whatever you used to call sure. them. Sure. Yeah. There's almost nothing you can do with that anymore. No, uh-uh. Unless I can hold it up to the light and see if I can see the music notes. But other than that, yeah, that's great. So the the frustration of that never coming out, did that? Did you see that wearing on, on them, on yourself? No, I don't think it... I don't think I, I know I didn't feel that way. I was just too determined. I knew a couple of the guys were determined. I, I think that, um, I'll say Alan and Todd, who were like the closest, they were also determined. Aaron and Noel, they were determined, but they were just, they just wanted to move on for something else, but they still was determined to do do music. But it was frustrating. We did a lot of songs with Boys the Men, went to a lot of parties, and then, um, In 1997, it all stopped. So Sudden Impact got signed at the time of New Kids on the Block. They kept writing and recording demos through the years when a boy band was pop music poison and then parted ways at the exact moment boy bands became big again. With the right label, with any consistent label or name, they could have had their moment. The timing was just always exactly off. So what does that feel like? Like a letdown. I say, we're going to find something else. You know, and um, went home, and that's when we started having that that um, being upset at each other because everybody wanted to control everything. Because we had gotten better with recording, writing songs. So, well, I want to write too. I want to write too. And the majority of the writing was me and me and Todd. We were like Lennon and McCartney. We were throwing them out. And so we started writing, and then everybody would um, get frustrated because. One didn't want to come to studio anymore um, or somebody girlfriend, they had to go see them or this had the focus was starting to wane a little bit. And um, and I think what happened, um, Aaron, Aaron and Noel, they wanted to do darker songs than what we were doing, you know, sort of like a jealousy and this, that and the other. So one time um, we had a meeting and Aaron and Noel said, we're going to start our own band. No love love lost. The Kane brothers split off to start another vocal group with their friend Donnie Evans, which they called DNA for Donnie, Noel, Aaron. The outsiders fill the open positions with two new guys, Jimmy Marble and Jason Doughty. And you won't be surprised by what happens next. We found two more members to add to the group and then called them Outsiders for Life. Yes, that is right. So just to review, Too Special became Sudden Impact, became White Guys, became The Outsiders, became Outsiders for Life. And it is a Z instead of an S at the end of Outsiders, and the four is a number four. It's an I in life, though. It's not a Y. They exercised some restraint. It's 2000 by now. InSync's No Strings Attached is the number one album of the year. Mariah Carey is filming Glitter. The Rolling Stones are playing smaller venues on their No Security comeback tour. Eminem wins Best Rap Performance for My Name Is, and Will Smith recovers from the failure of the movie Wild Wild West with the album Willennium. Outsiders for Life recorded an album in 2000 for Black Round Records, Aaliyah's label. It was never released. Aaron's new project, DNA, didn't get too much traction either, and his brother Noel and his old friends in Sudden Impact, or whatever you're calling them in your head right now, all went home to Virginia. So from there, everybody else went back to Virginia. I didn't go back to Virginia because I met a girl here in South Jersey. And when that whole thing happened, I actually met her at a Boys and Men concert. That's funny. 
Perfect. Aaron stayed behind with his new girlfriend, who had become his wife, and he started a solo career under his own name on another new label, Invigorator Records. Flash forward to 2006. The number one album of the year is the soundtrack to the Disney Channel original movie, High School Musical. Mariah Carey is back with The Emancipation of Mimi. The Rolling Stones are in the middle of their A Bigger Bang comeback tour. Kanye West wins Best Rap Performance for Gold Digger. Will Smith does The Pursuit of Happiness, gets nominated for an Oscar, and in his old NBC Monday Night time slot, a new show debuts. It's called Heroes. It stars Hayden Panettiere, who, when we started this story back in 1989, was not born yet. Aaron Kane releases a solo single called Gotta Love. My song called Gotta Love went to number seven on the R&B charts in 2005. So made, made some significant amount of money, you know, with that. We sold 300,000 copies of that independently. So, you know, that was very lucrative for us. And, you know, got to buy a house and buy stuff and... So after after that, I did an album with them, uh, let that out, did pretty good, and then that label folded. Jeez. Because the two of them had always had a good relationship, Aaron and Tim reunited. Me and him have been working on independent artists. We do TV and film now. Like, I, I have a bunch of artists myself that I deal with. I still put out my own albums. I just put out two new albums in the last six months. Uh, one called Confused and another one called Love Receipts that me and Tim produce all ourselves. And we do TV and film. We do stuff for independent artists. Um, working on stuff for Casey from Jodeci. I just did a song with his niece. I love letting out albums because I truly am an artist at heart. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I came from, from when I was 17, eight year, 18 years old. Like, that's what I did. And what I love about doing music is that you start with a blank canvas and you start with silence. And at the end of the song, you end up with organized sounds and organized vocals and emotions. And, and then after you get done producing the song and mixing down the song, it's like, ah, wow, look what I have Look what I have created! You've created life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a great feeling, you know, after you get done. Right. But but it's been, you know, it, the, the path was a winding one to, to this point. And there were a lot of, a lot of moments that just didn't, didn't pan out. Well, of course, I would have loved to be a multi-platinum selling group, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean that's, that's why when you're a little kid, you get into this industry because that's what you want, you know? 
but I'm truly blessed that I've been blessed with a talent that I, I can like I'll be 70 years old producing a track you know despite everything Aaron Kane is in it for the long haul and Tim Bird feels the same way are you happy that you took the ride yes very happy I'm happy for the hey, you talking about you said the ride right the yeah, whole ride just the whole the yeah. whole thing yeah it's, it was experience it, it, it allowed me to grow you know that's why I, I love it I um I enjoy it and it actually prepares you for downtime whenever nothing's going on. You don't stress out. You don't want to feel like you're a nobody or anything like that. But it's, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you think the rest of the guys felt about it? You said you don't want to feel like a nobody. Do, do you think that they ever felt that way? During those downtimes that we had? Yeah. No, nah, I don't think so. None of us did. We were just determined. We didn't, I don't think we had time to even think about being depressed. We were just like, no, nah, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? You mentioned earlier that they, that you, you're you not concerned about fame anymore. Is there, do you remember a moment where you were like, eh, I'm f- that's, I'm finished with that pursuit now? Yeah, early on. I think around about when I was with Biv and being around that time period. And you get to watch how other people respond to whatever success or lack thereof. And you don't, you, I, I started to say, I said, I don't want to be like that person. I believe that if we got it back in those days, I think we would have been broke now. Talk me through what that looks like to you. What do you mean? Like it, the, the scenario in which Sudden Impact had released a huge record. Oh, yeah, they released a huge record. Be great for that time period. But remember, music started changing, too. How are we going to keep up with the change? And when you're in front of the crowd, it's hard for you to make that transition when music changes. We were underneath the radar, even though they were in a vi- in two videos. They were still under the radar. So they had the ability to grow when music was changing. What's the guy's relationship with each other now? The five of them. The, the original five. Okay, the original five. Okay, yeah, I talked to Aaron. Me and Aaron talk almost daily. Yeah. So I keep in touch with him. I just talked to his brother, Noel, on Saturday. So I told him, yeah, I told him about the, the podcast. He said, I really don't know what to say. I said, they're going to ask you about sudden impact. You know more of the ends than I do. I just recorded that. Yeah, so I talked to him. He's interested in trying to do it. Um, Todd, who started the group, me and him, like I said, we were like the Linda McCartney of the of the group. And he's still a great songwriter. And he's been doing country lately. Great country, yeah. country songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's doing great with that. Dave, who was also in the group, we haven't seen him in years. No. No, uh uh-uh. I think he wanted to get away from that whole thing because he was kind of the quiet one anyway. Alan Healy, he, um, which is Todd's best friend, Alan Healy, he now owns a couple of computer repair stores. Uh, He doesn't do music anymore. He still listens to it, but he doesn't do music anymore. Mm -hmm. But aside from Dave, everybody still keeps in contact? Yeah. So I'm waiting on a reply from Noel Kane, and Tim says he's going to put in a good word for me with Todd White, who, if all goes well, will put me in touch with Alan Healy. So from the original lineup of Sudden Impact, that just leaves Dave, a man I know only as Dave. No one I've spoken to so far has his contact info, but now I have four more full names of Sudden Impact members, uh, a few more names of Sudden Impact, the group, so I can investigate a little more extensively. So I do. And I find a lineup 
for Outsiders for Life. Todd White is in there. Alan Healy is in there. Plus the new guys, Jason Dowdy and Jimmy Marble. And the fifth member of two special Sudden Impact, White Guys, The Outsiders, Outsiders for Life. His name is Dave Smith. This is going to be harder than I thought. Next time, I'm going to search the world for a Dave Smith. And I will talk to someone who tasted success in the 1990s and then ran in a brand new direction. His story in the next episode of Waiting for Impact, a Dave Holmes passion project. This has been an Exactly Right production. Written by me, Dave Holmes. Produced by Hannah Kyle Crichton. Recorded, mixed, and sound designed by Andrew Epen. Additional engineering and assembly by Annalise Nelson. Music by Ben Wise. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Executive produced by Karen Kilgariff, Georgia Hardstark, and Danielle Kramer. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Exactly Right. And follow me at Dave Holmes. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Binge the show ad-free on Stitcher Premium. For a free month, head to stitcherpremium.com slash impact and enter promo code impact when you select a monthly plan. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 